0: lift our hands and give him thanks most high god hallelujah thank you lord we glorify we magnify we praise you we bless you hallelujah oh lord thou art god which made the heaven and the earth a sea, and seeing all that in them is we're grateful thank you lord and as the psalmist said oh god you're my god you're not just god or a god or the god you're my god Oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul longeth for thee. My flesh thirsteth for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see your power and to see your glory as I've seen you in the sanctuary. We've seen you before, but we got to have more. Hallelujah. We thank you, dear Father. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. Praise God, the one who came... Came rushing into the world on the day of Pentecost to take charge of the church. We thank you, Father. Thank you most of all for Jesus, the Redeemer, the one who paid the price, who seated at your right hand, ever living to make intercession for us. We're grateful. Thank you for this conference, this convention, this meeting, for what you have done, what you are doing, what you're yet to do. Hallelujah. We're going to be like the wise men. We're going to go home another way. And we thank you for it, dear Father. What we don't know, teach us. What we haven't seen, show us. What we haven't heard, speak to us. Prepare us, O Lord, for that which you've prepared for us. For the days ahead are glorious for the church. Our best, our greatest, our most wonderful days are ahead. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Well, go ahead and be seated. And and, uh, (laughs) praise God, you know. Hallelujah hallelujah you know if you just go back through um you know um dave wilkerson you know i remember goodness i remember when i went to bible school way back like you said a 100 years ago something <laughs> like that and uh that was the year 1974 and i remember that uh you know the it was called the vision was that the book yeah. the, the vision and and uh you know of course i thought it was going to be next week and uh you know everything that was coming to pass and and I heard Brother Hagin say at a meeting one time, he said, you know, there are people ha- seeing things that are accurate. They just got some timing wrong on some things. Didn't point that at anybody or anything. But I noticed a lot of things that Dave Wilkerson put in that book came to pass 25, 30 years yeah, down the road. Right. You know, it was just that the information was correct. The timing was, We a lot of us just got the timing wrong. Yeah. But I was just thinking, you know, that uh, in uh, 1986, 1986, Dave Wilkerson, I've got it copy of it in my, in my phone, um, you know, he, uh, he said that, uh, he said the days to come, he said there's going to be a, 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 a pandemic that's going to strike the city of New York, wow. and he said, um, it's going to shut down, it's going to shut down, the it's going to go across the nation, it's going to shut down uh, the bars, it's going to shut down the clubs, it's going to shut down the churches, it's going to shut down the restaurants, going to shut everything down, and uh, I mean, this is 1986. Wow. And uh, uh, if I knew I was going to quote that, I'd have pulled it up on my phone. But anyway, <clears throat> but he said then, but then there'll come a move of God. Yeah. He said then, after that, there will come a move of God that will circle the globe with the move of the Spirit of God, an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So, you know, uh, somebody sent that to me, you know, six months, seven months ago. And I thought, amazing how accurate he was in part one. So I figure he's just as accurate in part two. Yeah. God's getting us ready for what he's getting ready for us. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, it's not real clear. We don't know what it all looks like. But, um, you know, I mean, I, I've got copies of things that people have I found in books or whatever. 1925, 26, Charles S. Price yeah. prophesied. And uh, I heard it on an old recording of Sister Claire Grace. She said, I carry this in my Bible. I read it almost every day. I got this recording somewhere on a one of those thumb drive things. Yeah. And uh, and she, re- and I read, I've got that in my, in my uh, notebook here, my iPad. Um, you know, that he just basically said, he said the day will come, full apostolic authority will be revived. Signs, wonders, and miracles will come back into prominence like never before. 1920-something. Well, here we are, a hundred years down the road, and all that hadn't come to pass. But it's just so accurate. God's getting us ready for the biggest, greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost we've ever seen. Mo- we're going to, we- all we need to do is learn to move with the Spirit. Yes. stay with the word
1: yes.
0: stay with the word. Yes. God doesn't bounce outside his word bounce no. out and back in he won't change his word to please anybody's doctrine you know but right. um, stay with the word run flow with the spirit hallelujah we're, we're on the edge of we're on the edge of something praise God something oh. huge big it's global you know Europe's shut down right now. Philippines shut down Australia shut down right. um you know uh, the, the European Union shut down. Uh, We've we got friends all over the world, and, and they, you know, they, we have a, a Zoom call every Monday morning with uh, missionaries all over the world. We just, you know, kind of share with them, pray with them every Monday morning. And um, they're all over the world, and, and we know everybody. They're just dealing with, with stuff. I mean, they, some of them can't go more than two kilometers from their home. There are places people can't go outside uh, for more than four hours a day. Um, there's stuff going everywhere, but I'm telling you what, there's a Holy Ghost explosion coming.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, the devil's just seeing how far he can push folks, but he'll just going to, he's just going to push just so far until he runs into the church, Amen. The, the church, the real church, hallelujah, yes. the Holy Ghost church. So anyway, yes. good, good stuff's coming.
1: Thank you,
0: Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to just. I've got a couple of things. Well, I got a lot of things stirring. and if I did that, we'd be here till Christmas. Uh, so I won't Let's do that. Do <laughs> Let's extend this meeting. All right, <laughs> December 25th. All right. No better place to be. No better place to. I mean, we get to go back to Oklahoma. Hallelujah! It's going to be. Cold. It's going to be cold back there. Tulsa, Jerusalem. <laughs> what happened david whatever's on you is jumping on me i need help up here I'm telling you, it's <laughs> Just, <laughs> that i love that that last session was wonderful thank you thank you david glory to god love you guys so much you know we said yesterday you appreciate lifetime friends you know you, you, somebody told me one time in life you're not going to get a lot of friends cultivate the friendships god gives you and uh We we're, we're so appreciative of lifetime friendships. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's just going to get bigger, better, and tighter. Yes. Amen. That's
1: right. But
0: I uh, um, you know, I mean the further he went, the more messages I got. Uh not for for this this session, but I think. So I got to pick out which one to go with. But but I do want to share one, speci- one one particular thing. Uh, uh was it Jeremy? Yeah. Jeremy, when you're sharing up here, uh, something just jumped up on the inside of me, and, and, and it's something we've been finding ourselves kind of praying around lately. Um, I, I heard a story told uh, a couple times lately. Uh, if you've heard the same story yourself, if I'm wrong, just forgive me. I'll, I'm try, I'll try to be close. But um, uh, it's, it was about the, uh, a particular African nation where they had a lot of elephants, and, and they had what they called the long tusks. Has anybody ever heard that? <laughs> oh, good. Okay, so anyway, I get it first. Now, um, I, I don't know anything about the nation or what it was, but apparently there was a nation, African nation, where they have a lot of uh, elephants. And, and um, they were having, uh, the herds were, were just going after each other. They were fighting over everything. They were, they were getting territorial, and they were going at each other, and these tribes of elephants were just, eventually, if you, didn't get, if you didn't do something about it, they are going to kill each other off and there were lots of them but they were they were fighting and they didn't have any bumpers or boundaries and i mean you know they're just going at it and so the the uh, the local people there got hold of a a uh, a man i don't know what you'd call that particular kind of uh, scientist or biologist or whatever i don't know but uh, they they brought in a specialist, a guy that studies the the, the lives of elephants in particular, and he brought him in. And said, "We don't know what to do, man. These 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 elephants are tearing up the property. They're tearing up the villages. They're tearing up everything. We don't know what to do about it." And the guy looked out there. And he saw these these tribes going at each other, and he stopped and he said, "Where are the long tusks? Where are the long tusks?" Well, they knew what he meant. They call long tusks. You can look that up and find it. it is a term. The long tusks tusks were the older ones. Um, this, the, the the more seasoned, experienced, older ones. Where are the long tusks? And they said, Oh, well, we we took those out and put them in a different place out there. They're all by themselves out there. And he said, Go get them and bring them back. Bring them back in, because he said, without the long tusks, all the young bucks have not. They don't have any bumpers or boundaries. Wow. Yeah. So go get them and bring them back. So they went out and found all these long tusks. These older ones they'd been put out to pasture. You know, the ones that knew something, they'd seen things, been places, knew things, they had wisdom that you only get, you only get it through years and seasoning and time and experience, said so they went and got all these long tusks and brought them back in, said so instantly all the fighting stopped, all the bickering stopped, all the destruction stopped. When they brought the long tusks back in, they had peace back in the countryside instead of these young ones killing each other off and fighting over the females and fighting over the territory and all that. They had peace in the country again, just by bringing back in the seasoned ones. And, um, Great story. and Jeremy, when you made that statement about a mentor, uh, you know, and how God, to, to, to help get you where you needed to go, he sent you to a mentor. And, um, I, oh, boy, I've had that just stirring for weeks now that, that we we've got in the church world, we've got territorial, we've got, um, we've got doctrinal, the, the boundaries are off, doctrinal stuff sometimes. The, the boundaries are off. There's a lot of fluff and fads and other stuff. And I don't mean it to be critical. I'm just saying what happens is when we started taking the older folks and putting them out to pasture and acting like they haven't got anything because they, don't, they, they were for their generation and now we're smarter because we don't know anything, but we will learn it. And if we don't watch it, we take all the long tusks that know something, have learned some things, have had, they've run into the same brick walls we've all run into, been beaten, battered, bloodied, bruised, and everything else. But they know some things. And if we don't start bringing the long tusks back in, we're going to have all the young bucks that are just going to just kind of keep going at each other, and instead of going making progress, we're going to be stagnated. And and so that just stirred in me. I thought, you know, we we need to be praying for God. I. uh, I, I didn't do it. I found somebody that could do it for me, probably a ten-year-old. But uh, I've got hundreds of uh, of uh, messages, uh, Brother Hagen, Brother Osteen, uh, that I, they're in my phone. And when I get in my car to go somewhere, I just plug my phone in and I just listen. I listen. I listen to Brother Hagen all the time. You know, I mean, he's he's on the other side, but I, I'm keeping him here. You know, and and, I, and I, it's just almost constantly. I'll hear something. I, I mean, it was around for 30 years, I, I'll, but I'll hear something. I'll go, well, when did he just, he, he, how did he get that on this tape? He never said that before. And I listen to those same record tape, tape, whatever they're called now. Those same recordings, I'm, every time I listen to you, I hear something. And I'm thinking, I'm getting boundaries. It keeps boundaries in my life because of people that have been there before me. And, uh, you know, and goodness, earlier when Scarlett was praying about... Uh, in pre-service prayer, praying about the fivefold ministry, um, and the next generation, David, I think you were talking about that, praying about it. We've got we've got another generation of of um, pastors, evangelists, and teachers, and if they'll stick around long enough. God will promote some into some other places of apostles and prophets. And we've got a generation of those gifts coming up. And they're, they're going to be the ones that are going to shake the world.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Dr. Summerall made a statement. I, I didn't hear it. I was told this. He said, in ministry, you, you spend your first 20 years learning, your second 20 years doing, and your third 20 years imparting. Wow. Wow. And some of us have hit our third 20 years. Yeah. Is that right? Wow. No. See? Moving along not you oh, not yeah. of ministry but of age anyway but um, you know I think a lot of times what happens <laughs> is that some of us have, have spent 20 years learning and 20 years doing and now we're to the place where where uh, you know man if there's some stuff we can pass on and help some of this next generation not run into some of the same crazy walls we ran into yeah. if there is a better easier way to do it than the hard way if we could just pass some of those things on sure. you know um uh I, I don't anyway. Anyway. Amen. Uh it just got me stirred about that and I think that's I believe that's one thing we're gonna see God do is is uh maybe raise up uh many schools. Not many, many. Many schools. Where folks two summers ago we had a we had a, a, a uh a not the launch class, we had SBNAS. We did a twelve week school with what do we have, ten Huh? It was four months, but it was like once every couple of weeks on a Friday night. And um, we just meet with these folks and just, we just meet with a small group of people. We did it for four months, you know, like every couple of weeks. And uh, uh, we've had a lot of schools around the world. That was the best school we ever did. And uh, we've probably seen the most, the most fruit out of that. And the Holy Ghost would come in and move and, 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 we'd learn things and people would get, and we'd just yield to the gifts of the Spirit, people would get healed. And that was better results, better fruit than any school we've ever had. Wow. And, and I just, I just believe we ought to have schools where people can specialize. And you can have somebody that knows the ministry of the evangelist. Amen. Amen. And can save some people some hard knocks. And, right. and the ministry of the pastor. Oh dear God. Hallelujah. The the pastors use some extra training? and so, anyway, so anyway, um, but I just wanted to share that. I think you know the thing about the long tusks. I, I think a lot of what we 're experiencing in the church world today, I believe a lot of it will get straightened out when we start uh, pulling out the books, pulling out the recordings, some that are still alive, pull them out of the pasture, and uh, pull them back in. I believe it 'll put some boundaries and, and bumpers on the, on the, the on the church world, and I believe we can stop all the Craziness going this way and start sending things this way. So, so anyway, well, that's enough of that. But anyway, um, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise, the Lord. Praise God. Um, yeah, I, uh, you've got your Bibles with you. Open them to, to, uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 14. <laughs> Romans chapter 8 verse 14. And, um, I want to just, The Lord. Take a little time here.
1: Amen. We've
0: got time. Glory to God. This is a subject you never get done with. Uh, you know, I've, I've. Beyond the Lord Jesus himself, the Apostle Paul is my, my favorite person in history. You know, I love studying the, the Apostle Paul. Um, you know, he. Uh, uh, he was the first missionary to Europe, so that makes him one of my heroes. Um, and and uh, you know, and I, I kept reading over there in Second Timothy, the fourth chapter, where Paul wrote and he said, uh, writing to Timothy, he said, uh, "Fulfill your ministry." One translation, "Fulfill your ministry, finish your ministry." Next verse, he says, "I fought the good fight, I kept the faith, and I finished my course." Of all the people I've read about in the Bible, I'm sure others did, but the only one I've been able to find that said, I finished my course before he left this earth, was the Apostle Paul. And I read that and I thought, okay, you read 2 Corinthians, what, the 11th chapter where he says, I was beaten, I was stoned, I was shipwrecked, I was beaten, uh, however many times with 39 stripes I was beaten with rods. You know, beaten with rods, you know what that is? It's I th- th- think it was three times or something he's beaten with rods. I thought they just, like they do in Singapore, whether they just take the rods and they... No, uh, no, I found out when they, when he said beaten with rods, that means that they would take him by the feet and they'd take rods and beat the bottoms of his feet until every bone in his feet was broken. And, and he had that done, I think, three times. And, and a day and night in the deep. I mean, in perils of the, in perils of your, your own brother, countrymen, all these, all that. And then he still says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then he says, I fought the good fight. Well, yeah, but all he ran into all that stuff. Well, you better be fighting the good fight. I fought, uh, fought the good fight. I, I kept the faith. I never gave up. Never gave in. Okay? Never tried to change the Bible. I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. And, and that, first, that last part, I finished my course. Think about To me, I look at that and I think, every time I'm having a bad day, I know you never have one. But every time I'm having a little bit of a bad day, I think, on my worst day ever, 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 the Apostle Paul probably would have given everything to have a day like that as a good one. Yeah. Think of everything he went through, and and uh, he uh, and he still finished his course. Now, I don't know about you, but that inspires me. If Paul can finish his course, my goodness, if he can finish his course, what excuse do I have for not finishing mine? And, and ministers are quitting at 1500 a month right now. Heard that just in the last couple months, yeah. Minist- ministries are quitting and stopping and giving up and throwing in the towel. Fifteen in America, fifteen hundred a month are quitting the ministry. Okay, and I get that. There's a lot of uh, attacks. There's a lot of all kinds yeah. of attacks. There's I've never seen a time with the attacks on the soul. I've never seen the I've never seen a season when there's such vicious attacks on the minds of the church world. I mean, just horrible stuff on people's heads, their minds. And, you know, it's one thing to have physical attacks, another thing to have financial attacks. But, boy, the stuff, been, people have been having horrible mind attacks that have been going on. And so people are just giving up and quitting. And I, I just look at that and I think the Apostle Paul did everything he did, went through everything he went through. Shronin, uh, we've been over there in Italy, where he was in, where he was in prison. And there was one particular place over there, in one particular prison. In the rainy season, he was underground there, and the place would fill up with water. Where all he could do is keep his head above here to be able to breathe through this window on the side. He was in neck deep water, and he still rejoiced in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm going. He's a pretty good step ahead of me right now. I'm not real. I don't know if I would be doing that. Or I don't know. I've never been there. But uh, said all that, say this. I, I decided I'm going to do a study to find out how did he do that. All right. Did he just have some special gift? How did he do all that? Well, he's caught up to the third heaven. Well, that didn't make the difference. Okay? He wrote half the New Testament. Well, that's probably why he dealt with half the stuff that he dealt with. Okay? Um, and, and even then, even then when you get to the very end... Paul made the statement. Think about this. You get to the very end. I was thinking about this with the long tusks. Even you get to the very end. And Paul wrote and he said, uh, you know, bring uh, bring Mark with you. I like that. He's profitable for me for the ministry. And, and, uh, he, uh, and he said, Bring the parchments. He said, Bring my coat that I left, and especially bring the parchments. And he made the statement, he said, For all have forsaken me. All have forsake think about that gets to the end of his race he's fought the good fight kept the faith finished his course got to the end and everybody's busy with their own stuff nobody comes to see him everybody's left him forsaken him and he didn't even whine about that he said just make sure you bring the parchments i want some good stuff to read so anyway so i've read you know a bit i thought i want to learn from a guy like that i want to know what he knew i want to i want to learn what he did and there's so many things that you could learn. Again, you know, when he wrote to the Philippians, that's where he was put into that Philippian jail. That's you know, and, and you know, back open and bleeding, his feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, what they do? They they prayed, and he and Silas prayed and sang sang praises to God. And the prisoners heard him. We know the whole thing. Jail shook. Everybody got loose. Um, but you know, and then when he wrote to the Philippians church later on, there's I don't know eight or ten times in there he he talked about rejoicing. And I thought, he just never quit rejoicing. He just never quit rejoicing. When he lost his joy, he rejoiced. You lose fuel, you refuel. You lose joy, you rejoice. He just kept rejoicing. But the other thing there is, I noticed, probably to me the most important thing that I've been able to see in him, and he tried to get it across to us, is... This verse in Romans eight fourteen, where he says, "For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God." Um, he, uh, you know, you read his. He he knew when to keep preaching. Remember there, in, in when he was uh, in the book of Acts, where he was uh, uh, he was uh, taken out in stone and left for dead. Those people knew what dead looked like. They'd been stoning prophets for years. They knew what dead looked like. They beat him and left him for dead. The disciples gathered around him. He, he got up. Went out of town, he came back a couple days later and preached in the same town. It's like, I dare you to try that twice. He knew when to stay and take his, he knew when to preach the gospel, he knew when to take his licks. He knew, he knew when to face it, and some, you know, sometimes you're just gonna to have to deal with some stuff. Okay? He knew when to do that, but he also knew when to get in the basket and go over the wall. Boy,
1: that's good.
0: He just knew, he just, what did he do? He just always followed the Holy Ghost. He didn't have a format. He just always followed the leading of the Spirit of God. Yeah. And I'm, I'm convinced that's one reason he fought the good fight, kept the faith, and finished his course because he, because he knew how to follow. I mean, you go back through, uh, Acts the, goodness, I think it's either 18th or 19th chapter, he made the statement, he, he, he had a perception that he was gonna have to go to Jerusalem and from there he'd go to Rome. He knew that. Okay, then we get to Acts 20 verse 22, I think it is. And he said, now behold, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city saying bonds and afflictions abide me. Well, now it's time to go to Tahiti, you know. Why would you go? The Holy Ghost witnesses in every city saying bonds and afflictions abide me, but none of these things move me. I don't even count my life dear unto myself that I might finish, there it is, that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Acts the 20th chapter. Well, in looking back through there, and then you find his, his own staff begged him not to go. They knew he's going to get bound. They knew he's going to get, they knew, they knew this was coming. They begged him not to go. And he said, what mean ye to weep and what mean ye to, to, to weep and break my heart? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to live. I, he said, I don't, I don't count my life dear unto myself. I got one goal in life. That's to finish my course i got one goal in life, and that's to obey God. That's, i got one goal in life. I don't have a one-year goal, a two-year goal, a five-year goal, a ten-year goal, twenty-year goal, hundred-year goal. I don't have that. All I've got is one goal. Someday I'm going to stand before the one that redeemed me, and all I want to do is hear him say, You've done good. Okay. That's all I want out of yeah. life. That's all I want out of life. I don't want to hear him say, You did good till the end, then you blew it. Right. <laughs> I don't want him to say, Well, you did a pretty good job. You ran your race, and you, cr- you cut three other people off trying to run their race. I just to I just want to hear him say, you ran your race, you did a good job. Yeah. And Paul did before he ever left. I finished my course. So we know what his grand entrance was over there on the other side. He had to have heard, you did good. You did good. So anyway, that's the part I want to get back to though is, is he, uh, he, I, I'm convinced one of the reasons he was able to finish everything God gave him to do, no matter what came against him, was because he, Always followed the Holy Ghost. Always now did he ever miss it? I don't know. He didn't say he did, but probably we've all missed it at one point or another, or ten or twenty or thirty points or another, whatever. But he uh, he knew how to follow the leading of the Spirit of God. I don't think there's any more important message for the church in the day we're living than how to be led by the Holy Ghost. I don't think there's anything any better. And if we don't watch it, you know, we we, we find replacements. You know, well, I, yeah, I, I want to be led by the Holy Ghost. I hear there's a prophet coming to town. I'm going to go see if he'll give me a word. Well, he might, but it wouldn't be right. The prophet's ministry is for today, but it's a different it's a different class because the, pro, the prophet in the Old Testament was a guiding gift. The, at best, the prophet's ministry in the New Testament is a, is a confirming gift. God didn't put the prophet in the New Testament to guide the church. Okay, well, right. so-and-so gave me a word. Well, if it's pack up and move to the Congo, you better make sure you got a round-trip ticket. Because if you're only going because somebody gave you a word, you're going to be in trouble. Yep. It's a confirming gift. Uh, Acts, the 15th chapter, Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the, the brethren with many words and confirmed them. That's more of an exhorting confirming. Then there, there's a class of uh, prophets like Agabus who would come and say, uh, there's a great drought coming. But he didn't tell him to take up an offering. He just said, there's a drought, come and do whatever you want. Came to Paul, took his own sash, bound his own hands and feet, said, thus saith the Holy Ghost. So shall the Jews of Jerusalem do to the man that owns this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. But he didn't say, don't go, or do go. He said, here's what's coming, you make your own choice. It was not a guiding gift. And so I'm so glad to know, man, I remember, boy, when we first, when I first went to Raymond, we found out Brother Hagen was a prophet. We didn't know anything about prophets. All I knew about were non-profits. <laughs> Still got those today. But, but, um, you know, I mean, we we're just convinced, we we're just convinced. I mean, we got in school and none of us knew anything about anything. And uh, we found out Brother Hagan walked in the prophet's office, so we knew he knew everything. Every time we knew he was coming to school, we'd have a repentance service before yes. he got there. We'd repent for what we did do. We'd, we'd repent for what we thought about doing. We'd repent for what we hadn't thought about doing. Cause we thought he knew everything. Right. Okay, well, he finally straightened us out on some of those things, but, but um, you know, but in watching, you know, watching his life in ministry for years, you know, I'd see God use him in so many ways, but it, he never used it as a guiding gift. Never tried to control your life through that. No. Never did. And, um, you know, right. so, so anyway, so number one, God's not going to guide the new, not new Testament church. Well, yeah, but you know, the old Testament, they went to the prophets keyword is old Testament yeah. because the old Testament they didn't have the Holy ghost. The only one with the Holy ghost was the prophet, the priest, and the King. And the only one with the Holy ghost and the capacity to know what to do about things was the prophet. So everybody would scramble to get to the prophet. The Kings would go to the prophet. The priests would go to the prophet. Okay. So, so because the prophet was the one that had the Holy Ghost in that capacity, but the average guy out here on the streets did not have the Holy Ghost, and he's the only one that knows the future better than we know the past. So they have to go to where he was, but then, thank God, in the New Testament, when um, greater is he that's in you, okay, what, know you not that you're the temple of God, the Spirit of God dwells in you, when everything changed at the new birth, and God was, when Jesus said, he's with you, but he shall be in you, When he went from the Old to the New Testament, he went from the outside to the inside. Why would God pay the price of redemption so he could come and make us his temple, live on the inside of us, and then be a ventriloquist and try to guide us from out here? He's in here. And once we get that settled, once we get it settled, that the leading of the Holy Ghost, now God may have things or people confirm that, or or fleeces. Oh yeah, full gospel folks, famous for fleeces. Well, Lord, you know if you want me to this you want me to do this have this happen you want me to do this have this happen you know like Gideon put the fleeces out and yeah. and uh, and uh, oh, oh if I I put a fleece out I got a book about that when I first got saved if I if I'd have followed a, a fleece that came to extremely supernatural perfecting it came to pass that I. That fleece came to pass. If I'd have followed that, I would not be in ministry today. I would be in the business world somewhere. If I'd have followed that fleece, I would not ever have gone to Bible school. If I'd have followed that fleece, I would have missed God. I have no idea where I'd be wow. today. It came to pass. It was very accurate, extremely accurate, supernaturally accurate. Okay? But, but I wanted to do this little little bookstore, little charismatic bookstore, and I find a book by Reverend Kenneth E. Hagen. That was the first time I ever heard of him. Found a book by Reverend Kenneth E. Hagan on, on, uh, how to be led by the Spirit of God or how you can know the will of God. And I just put the fleece out and got this thing going. I read that book and he said, the first chapter, he says, I put out a fleece and I got fleeced. I thought, I think I need to buy that. Dollar four, dollar four cents." Bought that book, sat in the parking lot, read the whole thing, thought, oh my Lord, oh my Lord, I got hoodwinked. But, and changed the whole course of my life right there. I, uh, I'll be forever indebted to him for that book. But, um, anyway, I, I need to get some here. So, um, you know, there, there are ways not to be led. You, God's not going to lead us through the prophet's ministry. Well, I know somebody that a prophet gave him a word that came to pass. Well, that's great. Brother Hagin, you say every blind, uh, every blind soul finds an acorn now and then. If you did something like that and it worked, then thank God for it. But don't do it again because you know better now. Last time we see people being led by circumstances is when they drew straws, to get Matthias to take Judas's place in the first chapter of Acts. After that, there was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and so they don't need to draw straws anymore. Oh, that's right. That's right. But now, um, Paul wrote there. Did you find Acts uh, Romans 8.14 yet? <laughs> Just give you an extra minute. <laughs> For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Well, we could spend all day talking about how God doesn't lead, but we're, right now we're better off finding how He does. And I've just, I've just um, been, I've been stirred. Uh, Janet and I've been doing, we've been doing Wednesday nights for months on how to be led by the Spirit of God. We did for weeks and weeks and weeks on a place called there. Remember in the ministry of Elijah, you know, he 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 prayed and the rain stopped and God said, go down by the brook Cherith, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. The ravens were taking the food to the brook. He could have gone to some other lake and he'd have starved. Something about not only doing the right thing, but being in the right place. Okay. I've commanded the ravens to feed. Then, then the brook dried up. He said, go into Zarephath. I've got a widow woman that she's going to feed you there. Okay. Told, uh, Naaman, go, go, you know, go dip in, uh, in, uh, the Jordan seven times. He could, he said, are not Arban and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, far greater than the old muddy Jordan. I don't want to go there. He could have gotten in, Arbana and Farpar, and he could have, he could have dipped a hundred times and got nothing. He needed to be there. Something about being in the right place at the right time. Something about being in the... How do I know? Holy yes. Ghost... If he can tell you what, he can tell you when. He can also tell you where. Yes. Well, I'm waiting for God to talk to me. He didn't say he'd talk to you, but he said he'd guide you. Best guides aren't the ones that talk all the time. Yes. They just move and say, follow me. Yes. Now, so what's it, what's this going to be... What's this going to be like? I mean, what? what I am so convinced. Um, now, I go, okay, verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You go to verse 16, His Spirit bears witness with our spirits. He called it the witness of the Spirit. What did Paul say back there in Acts, the 20th chapter? What did he say? He said back there, he said um, um, the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying, didn't say I had a vision in every city. He said every city I go to, the Spirit witnesses saying, Bonds and afflictions abide me. Wait for me. Well, the leading of the Spirit of God, you know, we, we want a vision, a voice, or a visitation. If you get it, great. You know, I finally discovered that when God moves in a real spectacular way, it's because I'm going to need it later on. Thank you. you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the whole... Yeah, God gave me this spectacular leading... yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually, he, he told... Uh, Timothy, Paul told Timothy, he said about over in First Timothy 1, I think it is. He said, concerning the prophecies that went before you that by them you might war a good warfare. I found out when time anybody gave me a word, I'm probably going to need something to hang on to later on. I'd rather not need a word. I've been used to go to meetings hoping I'd get a word. Now I go to meetings hoping I don't. Boy, if I don't get one, maybe I don't need one. Maybe all hell's not going to break loose next week. You know, if I don't get a word, everybody else gets a word. I go, oh, be blessed, be warmed I'm, I'm out of here before they give me one. You ever had that happen? Oh, those words. They used to be so fun until the next day. You still don't despise prophesying, but you're glad when you don't need one. But anyway... <laughs> Um, so uh, you know, what's this? Yeah, we love the spectacular, but I'd rather just live in the supernatural. Yes. Just the witness of the Spirit—that's not real clear to us. You look over and uh, remember over there in the first chapter of the Book of Luke, where Luke said, "The former treatise of made, O Theophilus, and so on." He said, uh, um, "He said, hey, uh, uh, in, for as much as others have written gospels, it seemed good to me also." Having had perfect understanding from the beginning to write under the O oh, X, What did he say? He said these other three guys wrote Gospels. He wasn't even one of the apostles. Luke wasn't. He said these other three guys wrote Gospels. He said, you know, I think I... He said, I just seemed good to me to... The book of Luke was written because it seemed good to somebody to do it. Think about that. I love the book of Luke. Man, there's some really good stuff in there. I'm glad Luke wrote a Gospel. But he didn't have some spectacular manifestation. He just said, I don't know, man, I was thinking about it one day. I thought, it just seemed like I should. Wrote a gospel. And God loved it so much, he put it in his book. He wrote a gospel yeah. on the basis that what? Seemed good. Seemed good. See, if we'd, if we'd quit trying to trying to find some real woo-woo, something yeah. spectacular, and just go, man, I was just getting ready to do something, and it seemed like I shouldn't. I've had people say, well, you know, you know, it just seems like I shouldn't do something, but I'm waiting for God to talk to me. I'm going, hello, Biff. He is talking to you. Come on now. <laughs> right? Yes. It seemed good. Remember back there, Acts 50, 15th chapter, I think it is, they've got to come up with church doctrine. They've got all these newly saved Gentiles that have never had any laws at all. And then they got the Jews with all the laws and and they said, we don't know what to do with all these new believing Gentiles. What do we do? And they had this big meeting, all the heads of it. Finally, you know, James, the pastor of the church, highest authority in the local church, stood up and he said, my decision is this. Okay? And, and he, he said, we're going to tell them this, this, and this. And that's how, that's how New Testament doctrine started coming about, was a church meeting where they got together and they all talked about all this. And finally somebody said, this is the way it's going to be. And then it says... Uh, it seemed good to us and the Holy Ghost. How, how, what leading did they get? It seemed good. To, the New Testament doctrine was established because this is what it seemed like they should do. We've all had things like that. All of a sudden something, it just, boy, I don't, I don't get it. It just seems like I should do this. It just seems, seems like I should. it seems like, it just seemed like I should come to this meeting. Did you have a vision? No. Well, how can you come to a meeting if you have, no, it just seemed like I should. Seem like, and then, Brother David talking about peace. Think about that. Isaiah 55 verse 11, 12, 13, something like that says, you'll go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Yes. The devil's trying to mess with your peace because if he can, you can't be led. If you haven't got peace working, you're going to be, you're going to be bounced around by your emotions because peace is the guide. Colossians says, let the peace of God The soul harmony that comes, let the peace of God rule, act as umpire continually in your heart. i got an umpire built on the inside. Just moving along and all of a sudden there ain't no peace. There's no peace. I don't have any peace about this. If peace stops, you stop. Find out. Okay? Let the peace rule, act as umpire continually. Go out with joy, be led forth with peace. You know, I'm talking about in situations. You know, you're getting ready to take a trip and all of a sudden... No, not fear. Oh, I started to get on a plane. All of a sudden fear just gripped me. I think God's talking to me. God doesn't talk through fear. But if I, I've known of situations, I've had them. I was on a plane going to Dallas to hop on another plane to go to Narita, Tokyo to go down to Manila, Philippines. I got to, I got to Dallas. And all of a sudden I could not get on that plane. I could not get on that plane. I did my best. I was supposed to go to a conference in Manila a number of years ago. Could not, I could not do it. It wasn't fear. It was like I just, I, it's like something. It's like I, every time I tried to take a step that direction, the peace was gone.
1: Yeah.
0: Peace just wasn't gone. I finally went to a phone and called Paul Chase friend over there that was holding the conference. I said, Paul, I said, I don't know. I don't know what this is, but I can't get on that plane. He said, well, when we're friends this long, if we can't trust each other to be led by the Holy Ghost, something's wrong. He said, "You just obey God; we'll be fine." Well, they had all their local ministers take all the sessions and had the best conference they'd ever had because I wasn't there. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> one of those deals. <laughs> Too true, but um, but anyway, anyway, there's just it's just getting used to find your own terminology. If you want to find a red, yellow, green light system, I don't know, I'm just moving along. All of a sudden, man, it just seemed like the light turned yellow. Well, if you live in Oklahoma, that means speed up and race through it. Even a little bit red, just orange, whatever, you know. Orange. orange. My wife says I do that.
1: Pray in tongues.
0: And- Repent. Yeah, yeah. We have a t-shirt around our church. Hashtag Wilpit. Finally, find out what it meant. Walk in love and pray in tongues.
1: Yes, <laughs> amen.
0: So anyway, um, so so uh, you know, but but I think it's vitally important. You know, I mean, the Bible said the last days are dangerous times, perilous times. I think the one way to walk victoriously through everything is to be, you know, stay in faith, stay in the Word. And be led by the Holy Ghost. Know when to jump no when to get in a basket and go over the wall, and know when to just keep moving, and just because something goes on doesn't mean you missed it. You know, the storms came to Jesus. He was in the boat. He didn't miss the will of God, he was the will of God. Storms still came. Paul was in the will of God. Storms still came. Storms come, things come along. Yeah. Things are gonna come along just because we're in the world system down here, stuff's gonna come. Okay, doesn't mean it's not gonna come, it's what you do with it when it does come.
1: Yeah.
0: How you deal with it, how you handle it. And so the bottom line, it's, it's not, oh, you know what, oh my goodness, what, well, what we need to do is we just need to be willing, keep our spiritual antennas up and be willing to listen on the inside. You know, just all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you can be thinking about anything else, going to work, whatever, and all of a sudden you get this something on the inside. Something on the inside. Well, if you get that, don't just blow it off. Stop and go, okay, Lord, what is this? What is this? Just point, just seems like I should do such and such. Seems like I shouldn't do such and such. Uh, or, or or if you don't use seems like it, I don't know. Just, man, I was ready to, I was ready to, I was ready to, you know, do such and such. And all of a sudden I just didn't have any peace about doing that. Okay. Man, I've had the, the Holy Ghost deal with me to take a different course or different road going to work. Well, why? Why? Nothing ever happened. Well, hello, maybe that's why. <laughs> Cause I didn't, you know. And, and, and we, we try to, well, I probably missed it. Nothing happened. Maybe nothing happened because you didn't miss it. You know, there's something about, don't try to, don't, don't second guess yourself all the time. Be willing to say, "Well, I I followed what I believe I had in my heart, and nothing went wrong. Everything seemed fine." You know, well, then praise God. Don't be all concerned about, well, maybe that was wrong. No, then you're going to be second guessing yourself all the time. And practice on the little things. Practice on the little things. You'll be more prepared if something big is out in your pathway. Well, you know, just just, uh, looking back, I was thinking about this the other day. Looking back, I, I I see. Situations back there, a number of them, um, uh, where where I believe I believe following the leading of the Holy Ghost probably saved my life or limb or whatever, um, um, just by being willing to follow that. I was uh, I was in Colorado as I was a youth pastor for a little over a year, and uh, you know lived right at the you know right at the foothills down there. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm summertime, Colorado, you know, get a, you know, get a day off, just drive up into the mountains and oh my goodness, it's glorious. Well, I just decided one day I'm gonna, I, four wheels is great, two's better. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go buy myself a, a, a big bike, motorcycle. And, uh, I, you know, I'd had a bike before and I'd done some riding, not an awful lot. And I found what I was looking for and I went to the bank and I got, I didn't have any money, so I went to the bank, got a loan to get it and, and um, I was going to go about 30 miles away toward Denver. And I, I called this guy up, had exactly what I was looking for. And I told him, I said, I'm going to come pick the thing up. I went to the bank. I got the check, you know, and did everything. And I'm ready. And I'm going to go pay for it, get the title. And then I'm going to figure out a way somebody take me there and be able to ride it back home. And um, I got on the highway, I-25, heading toward Denver. And all of a sudden, I got a, just something on the inside. I got a red light. Not yellow, not green. Yellow means slow down, proceed with caution. Green means full speed ahead. Just got this red light on the inside. And I knew what it was. I mean, I knew exactly what it was. I said, Lord, I got the check in my hand. The guy's waiting for me. I got the, I, I know exactly what I want. I want this. I want to do mountain riding. I want to go up through the, you know, the Rocky Mountain National Park on my day off. I want to, I want to ride through the mountains, you know, get the, you know, and just ride and get the wind in my face and, you know, and the whole bit. And, and all of a sudden I got a check on the inside. Really strong check. Just a witness. Don't do this. Don't do this. I, what, somebody says, what did you do? I didn't do that. Took the next exit, called the guy, said, plans changed, took, the, the, the check back to the bank, paid a couple days interest on it, gave it back. And you know, that lifted off me since that day. That was whew, 1976, I think it was. Since that day, I've never had an unction. I got friends that ride Harleys and everything else all over and they're always trying to get me to buy a bike and go riding with them. Said, uh-uh, I'll get a pickup truck and follow along and pick yours up when they break down, but I'm not getting a bike. Because the minute that lifted, it's not wrong, but the minute that lifted off of me, I and I later on knew if I would have violated that, There was something set for me down the road. It would have cost me something. I don't know what. But I just knew that. I knew that. I was getting ready to take a We were looking at a piece of equipment one time in ministry years ago. I got in the car. This was days of cassettes. I had sets of cassettes on the seat beside me. I'm going to drive two hours one way. I'm going to do a four-hour drive to go look at a piece of equipment. I already knew it wasn't what we were looking for, but I was looking forward to the drive where I could just ride and listen to listen to cassette tapes, listen to series. You know, I get four hours of teaching over and back. thought this will be really nice. I got on uh, one of the main streets there in Broken Arrow, and I got on the Cloverleaf to get on the highway to head for, uh, it was the other side of Oklahoma City. I got on the... But ready to get on the highway. I'm on the cloverleaf. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden it rises up from the inside. Sirs, I perceive this voyage to be with much hurt and danger. Well, I knew where that was. That's when Paul was on board the ship where they spent two weeks without food and two weeks in a storm and boat sank and and uh, you know, somebody goes, "What did you do? Pray your way through it?" You kidding me? Um, no, I don't. I'm not even going to pray my way through that one. I took the next exit, got off, went back home, went inside, and listened to tapes. No big deal. But I look at that and think, I don't know what it was, but I just knew. I knew. I knew something on the inside. Just the scripture. It wasn't a voice or a vision. Something rose up on the inside. as I perceive this voyage to be with much hurt and danger. I don't know what was waiting out there. I don't even care. Well, what if nothing would have happened? Don't know, don't care, just glad it didn't. Amen. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember, I remember Brother Hagin used to tell these stories about these different things and I, I may not have it totally accurate because it's been a long time now, but he talked about a, a man, if I remember it correctly, talked about a guy that was, um, uh, uh, he was, uh, going through the city where he lived and, and, uh, he had just kind of a check. He's, he's looking down ahead, the light's green, you know, uh, for him, he's just going to cruise through there. Something on the inside just seemed like he should slow down. Well, if I slow down, I'm not going to catch that green light. That's important, you know. And he said, I just, I just seemed like I should something. I just had this check, this something on the inside seemed like I should do not do this. And he said, I thought, I got a green light. And he said, I just went racing through it. And he said, some guy ran the red and T-boned me, smashed my car, put him in the hospital, you know, just yeah. did damage. And the guy, um, when he finally got out of the hospital and he's get back, everything's back to normal, he's back to work. And he's going down that same street. And all of a sudden he gets that same something on the inside. And he thought, oh, no, I'm just jumping. Now I'm just jumpy. I got the same thing. Now I'm just jumpy, and that's all it is. And he said, but I thought, I'm going to test this out. Last time I violated that, it cost me my car. I think I'm just going to listen this time. He he said, so I slowed down and slowed down, and just as I got up to the intersection, I slowed down just as I got up there. He said, a car came running through there, ran the red light and came through that same intersection. He said, I'd have got it again. But I listened to that inward witness. I just followed that seemed like on the inside. We could go on and on all day for things like that. Just learning to follow that on the inside. Um, Actually, we we were sharing this in church a couple weeks ago. And one of the young ladies in the church contacted Janet right afterward and and said said she was the exact same thing happened right after that service. She was going down the street and it just seemed like she should slow down and something, something. And she did. And some guy ran a red light and went right through where she'd have been. Right. What, have totaled wow. her car out and probably t- maybe taken her out. Mm-hmm. Don't know. But I just believe we're at a place right now where it's really vitally important. If we're going to finish our course yes. with joy, yes. I believe we need to learn to just follow these. It'll affect, sure, it affects our protection, but it affects our finances. That's right. You know, the Holy Ghost knows what's coming. I know a guy one time, well, just before, just before the crash of, oh, what was it, 08? Um, I know, and hat knew a guy, didn't know him well, but knew a guy that he had a lot of big investments, you know, and he told me, he said, well, he said, he said, uh, whatever particular day, just before the big crash started, he said, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, go, go dump all your stocks. Go dump all your stocks. Well, why would you do that? How much might you lose? He said, I went and dumped everything. He said, it saved me 40% within a week. I'd have lost over 40% on all my stocks. The Holy Ghost knows everything. He knows everything. He's the wisest investor you're ever going to find. He just knows all this. So anyway, um, goodness, there's, there, we could go on and on about this. But I'll tell you, there's something about praying in the Holy Ghost to fine-tune our spirit and taking time to listen and then third of all to obey. Just be quick to obey the Holy Ghost. And if we learn to follow the leading on the small things, it's going to be e- f- easier to follow those things on the big things. Yes. I've canceled trips, you know. I understand if you give people your word, you need to obey it. But, boy, there are times when I called them up and said, I know I gave you my word, but I can't come. Can't do it. I'm not going to put a guilt trip on you, but I can't come. And so far, every time I've ever had that happen, they've said, "Just you just obey the Holy Ghost. They you know, say, "Well, was there a, a a wreck or a crash or a disaster? No, never was. But maybe it wasn't because I wasn't there. Right. I don't know. Amen. But but God has really, uh, really dealt with me in recent days to make sure that concerning our church, uh, that I do everything I can. We do everything we can to keep our people safe, sound, healthy, and alive." And the most important thing about that is, to, you know, I, you can't take care of everybody for them, but you can teach them how to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. You know, uh, I could give you all kinds of uh, examples, but I think we've gone far enough for now. Hallelujah! Um, I, I know, shortcut. I know of three three ministers were on a trip years and years ago. I didn't know any of them. I just knew I knew the church they were out of. Um, staff guys. And uh, they were, it was wintertime and they were supposed to go, they went to a meeting and they were headed back home and they got to this particular uh, airport, small small city airport and uh, they all got ready to get on the flight to go home. This is the last flight to get home and, and one of them said, I can't get on that plane, I cannot get on that plane. Not fear, I just can't get on the plane. The other, the other guy said, I got the same thing, I cannot get. On, I can't get on that plane. I just can't get on that plane. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Third one says, well, I don't know about you guys, but he says, I've told my little girl I'll be home tonight. It's her birthday, and I told her I will be there. You can stay if you want. I'm getting on that plane. So two of them said, well, you do whatever you want, but we're not getting on that plane. We are not going to get on that plane. There's something wrong. He said, I know, but but I've got my word out. Well, he got on the plane. The other two didn't. plane got up in the air, got a little ways from the airport, and went nose dive down into the ground. He didn't make it home. You know, somebody goes, well, why, why did God take one He didn't take the other two? No, one, two right. listened and one didn't listen. I think a lot of stuff we blame God and it wasn't God's fault. No. It wasn't God's fault. God's always trying to warn us. Yes. He's Warning. always trying to warn us with stuff. Hallelujah. Well, that's enough for now. Let's stand to our feet. <clears throat> Living victorious in the last days. Yes. Yes. We said, I think last night, we made the statement, said that what we've really got stirring in us, that, you know, whatever comes in the days ahead, whatever's coming. Some things you can neutralize, some you can minimize, some you can delay, some you can stop, and some you just walk victoriously through the middle of them. That's right. Don't care as long as you get through it, victoriously. Amen. Hallelujah. No weapon formed against us might get formed, but no weapon formed against us can prosper. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord... Delivers them out of them all. I'm living in them all side of things. Stuff's going to come. Stuff, Just living down here, stuff's going to come. It's not if it comes. It's just what you do with some stuff when it does come. How do you handle it? Hallelujah. Well, let's lift our hands and give Him thanks. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I know, Lord. It's going to be imperative. It's going to be imperative for us in the days to come. To be in the right place at the right time. Doing the right thing so we can get the right results. I thank you, dear Lord. No, not necessarily for everybody, but I tell you, for an awful lot of folks, dear Father. Awful lot of folks. We're going to walk victoriously through whatever comes in the days to come. We will do that. But you said, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the defense of the Almighty. I say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I put my trust. We we, we do it, dear Lord, by attacking the future with our faith, but also being led by the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, we look to you. We trust you. You say and we'll obey. You lead and guide and we'll, we'll just run right along with you. And we thank you for it, dear Father. I pray over everybody in the sound of my voice. I pray over everybody, dear Father, that they'll keep their spiritual antennas out in the days to come. And if there's a trap set out ahead of them, the devil will fall in it himself and they'll miss it. I thank you, Lord. They'll sidestep it. Hallelujah. I know you told me years ago, you never see a disaster coming into the lives of one of your children except that you try to deal with them and talk to them first. I learned that the hard way a couple times. But I've learned better all the time. I know you see stuff out there in the future, and you'll try to lead me around it or or, or above it or over it or whatever. And sometimes you just end up in the middle of something, but you get the victory and you go through and you pop out the other side bigger, better, and stronger. Yes. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah.